The content of the following program is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, treatment, or cure. Always consult your physician or a health professional with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Ready, set, go! And the truth shall set you free! Welcome to One Life Radio. All right, everyone, we are going higher indeed. Welcome to One Life Radio. This is Bernadette Biaschetti with Jerry Caldwell. We are broadcasting live from Big D, that's Dallas, Texas, here on iHeartMedia, as well as KMET in Southern California on ABC News Talk. Jerry. <laughs> woof, meow, tweet, tweet, hiss, woof, woof, and uh, oink. Yeah, it's for Furbulous Fridays here. And tomorrow's New Year's Eve. Can you believe we have blown through 2022? And uh, tomorrow night at midnight, it'll be officially 2023. And wow. it'll be over. And, and what'll be over? The year? Yes, 2022. <laughs> 2022 has not been the worst of... <clears throat> the last couple. The yeah. uh, last, you know, three or, yeah. you know, really in my case, like the last six. It really, It really hasn't been the worst, but... I'm really kind of looking forward to a new, clean slate, you know? Yeah, no, reset. Everybody, I think everybody's looking uh, looking in that direction. With We've some been, hope, perchance yeah, to dream. Absolutely. We've been through a lot uh, in the world, and especially, I think, here in America. And people will ask me, you know, Jerry, what do you think's going on? What do you think's going on? You've heard this message repeatedly ever since you started working with us here on One Life Radio. It's greed. Greed has consumed our world. And uh, <laughs> that's what I think is going on. But there's a lot of good people in the world, too. There's a lot of very honest, hardworking, wonderful people. And two of them we have on the show today. At the half, we've got Phoebe Elizabeth Pope Sis. She's going to be talking about her her wonderful book that I have right here, uh, Letters from the Last Pope. And she's a personal friend of mine as well, so I'm really looking forward to having her on the show. And we have Stephen Knight up first. He's been on the show before. Stephen, are you there? I am here. Hi, Bernadette. Uh, hey, hey. So good to have you with us. And this is our last show officially of 2022, so we're going to knock the ball out of the park and hope that a dog goes and fetches it, right, <laughs> Stephen? Uh, yeah, exactly. Bring it back for 2023. And I would like to say that there are four of us on the show that are very hardworking and very dedicated because you work hard. You talking to me? Yes. Oh. <laughs> I would like to think that I work very hard, but I know for damn sure you work very hard for the show. You really well, do. I, do. I, I, I hear the stories afterwards and all of that, and, uh, and I know you do. So give yourself some credit. Yeah, well, thank you for saying that. And Marie Early, you we're, we're a small team. It's just the three of us now. It's, uh, you know, it's Jerry, myself, and Marie Early. Uh, behind the scenes, uh, mostly uh, Marie, except in 2023, we're going to start getting her on the mic a little bit. There you and, go. And, uh, yeah, and I think it'll be fun. Just a little, you know, Adela, Marie is the funniest person. Honestly, she's naturally <laughs> she, funny. Yes. She just doesn't even realize how funny she is. And uh, <laughs> she's very sweet as well, and I'm looking forward to you know, uh, getting her on the show a little more in 2023. But, you know, Stephen, you do incredible work. Let me officially read your bio for those that didn't hear you the last time you were on the show. Stephen Knight is the founder and executive director of Dallas uh, of Dallas nonprofit Dogs Matter. Uh, as a dog lover in recovery, Stephen was struck by a very basic need of people entering rehab, uh, care for their pets while they were away. So with that in mind, he founded Dogs Matter with a simple mission to provide and promote a safe and healthy environment 
Alignment uh, for Dogs uh, of Recovering Addicts and Alcoholics. Uh, their website is dogsmatter2.org. That's dogsmatter2.org. And I can't think of a better organization to send, you know, a couple of dollars to uh, before the end of the year and uh, and uh, knock the ball out of the park, right? Get ready for 2023 by being philanthropic. It's a great cause, and I love what you do, uh, Stephen, and kudos to you. Like, honor- you're, just, you're very honorable what you have done, and you've changed so many people's lives. So would you agree? <laughs> I appreciate the kind words, and, you know, and it, it, it does take a village. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to be the leader of, of this mission and being able to, you know, you, know, you just said that, you know, our, our mission is to find a safe and a uh, place and safe environment and place for these dogs, but it's turned into be so much more than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I bet. We found, we found out, especially even more this year, is that a dog is so much a part of people's recovery now. And I know that you're, you focus a lot on body, mind, and soul. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we kind of do too at Dogs Matter. And, and when we really reunite the dogs with the client after they finish treatment and they're getting healthy again, we're finding out that that dog becomes a real big part of their healing and um, their ability to learn how to have a relationship again or the ability to receive unconditional love. Yeah, and, there's, there's uh, no better friend than a dog, right? Yeah, <laughs> and that is I, true. Yeah, and I mean, we you know we've been through it a lot, a lot of loss this year here at One Life Radio with our personal pets. Uh, you know, Jerry lost his longtime dog Jack, who he had for what seventeen years. J- uh, Jerry, is that how long you had him? Eighteen years. Eighteen years. He died. Just, uh, we we had to put him down three weeks after his eighteenth birthday. Yeah, and so that was a huge. You're probably hearing dogs in the background. I have I have four dogs with me today. We we love that. Fosters. Oh, I so, love that. Okay. Oh my gosh! She's I got just, so many dogs at her I've place. Got, I don't know where the dogs are coming from, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. no, I've got twelve right now. Two of them are fosters that I'm actually going to uh, return. I think to the original owners because. Um, you know, uh, he wants them back, and he's committed to giving them a good home. And so I'm a little apprehensive, but I am going to do it and then keep a close eye on them. They've, uh, you know, they've been, uh, they've gone to the vet. They've been spayed. It's two females, and uh, it's going to be hard for me to give them back. But, uh, you know, I, I, I can't save every single one of them, and I can't take care of every single one of them. So we have to have faith in other people. I think that's a big part of this mission as well, because I know, like me, Stephen, you probably get really, really attached to the dogs that you foster. I just know that you do. It, it's it's you know it really it really is um, an incredible experience. You get so attached, and you know, and you just uh, love them. Here's the thing about that: most of the time, it's like these dogs come from you know they 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 never gave up on their owner. So yeah. Sometimes had to give up on them. So mm-hmm. that dog, we know they're going to go back and get a second chance, not to just to the owner, but to a healthy owner. Mm-hmm. And when you see a reunion video and you see them reunite and see them back together it just makes it all like okay this is why i do this yeah <laughs> i can let go of this you know yep well and i got mine microchipped i'm gonna start i've always done that but this i've never typically um had an owner that wanted the dogs back you know um but and i was you know i was thinking of lynn twist who was on the show a couple of years ago just become just because somebody doesn't have a lot of money doesn't mean that they're not going to be a good pet owner you you don't have to have a lot of money to be a pet owner because the thing that the dog needs most is your love and a attention right you can feed and water them yes but the thing that they they need most is is your love and your companionship exactly. yes i mean that's i mean that they you know they don't look at anything else more than you and the loyalty that they give to you 
And as long as you provide that in, you know, in the basics and, you know, there's, and for people that a lot of times that are struggling, there's some really great programs out there that will help with food, mm-hmm. help with medical. And, and I think that, you know, one of the things that's been really a difficult year is to see how many dogs um, have been euthanized this year mm-hmm. in the Dallas County. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you it's know, a crisis. Uh, yeah, in the state of Texas, 125,000 dogs. Yeah, yeah. And, it's, and I say that only because not to be a downer this year, but there is hope. Well, <laughs> you know, there the is. The hope is, is that we're looking at being able to look, really see a lot of those people that are, are surrendering their dogs. Really, we're not looking at the human side of why. Oh, I know. Believe, I don't know. We, we believe that. I don't know if you guys can hear that static. Can you guys hear it on your end? It's pretty bad on my end. Can you hear it? Yeah, I hear it. You hear it? Okay, why don't I mean, we go to break and reset? Yeah. We're going to have to call an engineer. <laughs> but I will. Uh, no. But we'll, we'll, we'll go to break. We'll come back. We'll talk all about Dogs Matter and what it is and how important it is in our community. Uh, we'll be right back. More coming up with Stephen Knight, everyone. And I encourage you during the break to check out dogsmatter2.org. We'll be right back. You are listening to One Life Radio. If you miss the show, not to worry. You can always catch the podcast after the broadcast at OneLifeRadio.com or your favorite podcast app. Be sweet, Barricade. <laughs> In today's environment, books provide the most reliable means for disseminating knowledge. Children's Health Defense Publishing offers titles written by foremost authorities and courageous voices who speak the truth despite criticism and consequences, often at the expense of their careers. Here are the latest must-reads in the fight for truth. The Courage to Face COVID-19, Preventing Hospitalization and Death While Battling the Biopharmaceutical Complex by true crime writer John Leake and prominent research cardiologist Dr. Peter McCullough. Lies My Government Told Me and the Better Future Coming by Dr. Robert Malone. And Cause Unknown, the Epidemic of Sudden Deaths in 2021 and 2022 by former BlackRock fund manager Ed Dowd. Get your copies today at skyhorsepublishing.com and listen to the show every Monday with Mary Holland, president of Children's Health Defense for updates and deep dives into these new releases. That's skyhorsepublishing.com. Hi, this is Kevin Nealon. Did you know that tens of millions of animals are killed in laboratories every year in experiments that don't improve human health? Nine out of 10 new drugs that work in animals fail in humans. Imagine if a mail carrier couldn't find 95% of houses, they'd be out of a job. So why are we still experimenting on animals like it's 1950? It's time for real research that can actually help human patients. Visit PETA.org to learn how to fight this wasteful fake science. Back with more positivity pouring out your speakers. It's One Life Radio. All right. (laughs) Welcome back to One Life Radio, everyone. This is Bernadette Fiaschetti with Jerry Caldwell and Stephen Knight. We are continuing our live broadcast here from Dallas, Texas on iHeartMedia, as well as KMET in Southern California on ABC News Talk. We've got a great show continuing on here today at the half. We have Phoebe Elizabeth Pope Sisk coming on. She's talking about her new book, and our topic is very timely, How to Look at Your Past and Prepare for Your Future with a new year upon us here in just a few hours. I think everybody's ready for a big, great reset. (laughs) 
<laughs> like a positive one, right? But we are continuing our conversation with Stephen Knight first. Uh, he is the founder and executive director of Dallas, of a Dallas nonprofit called Dogs Matter. As a dog lover in recovery, Stephen was struck by a very basic need of people entering rehab. Uh, they needed care for their pets while they were away. With that in mind, he founded Dogs Matter with a simple mission to provide and promote a safe and healthy environment uh, for dogs of recovering addicts and alcoholics. Their website is dogsmatter2.org. That's dogsmatter, the number two, uh, .org. So, Stephen, you know, tell our listeners, if you would, how Dogs Matter came about. It's such a great story. So, uh, Dogs Matter came about really because of my story. And, um, you know, I'm in recovery. And 11 years ago, I found myself, like, really in depth of my addiction and um i was actually homeless living out of my car and um i decided to go into rehab and really get a second chance in life and i did and and while i was in rehab uh i finished and then i went to a sober living and got a knock on the door one night and a friend of mine had relapsed and uh she had this dog in her hand and the dog's name Mm. was jade and um first i just looked into jade's eyes and just um, automatically connected and she was telling me how she had relapsed and she needed help and she had nowhere to you know her, nobody was talking to her all her relationships oh, were kind of mm-hmm. ruined at the moment mm-hmm. and she was just didn't know what to do with jade so i said let me take her you know and and honestly that's like I just did one act of kindness that i mm-hmm. did and then i got the idea thinking well how often does this happen right and so i decided that i really did the research and there was no program nobody was doing temporary fosters it was like you either keep your dog or you have to surrender it and especially when you know you really it's the last relationship you have that's a really hard choice to make and then go try to you know change your life um so wouldn't it be better to maybe keep the dog and let the person be healthy then reunite, that'd be a much more motivating and much more mm-hmm. a, a better chance for that person to really get healthy and stay healthy if they had if they can get their dog back. So it can be motivating, it can be healing. And anyway, so we you know, the first year we did about fifteen, twenty dogs and now that was about six years ago and we've done over eight hundred dogs. Wow. What an incredible act of love and kindness for your community and, and all these people out there, you know, that, and I, you know, when I hear a uh, recovering addict, I, I, I really believe every single one of us are addicts about, we, we're addicted to something. Like I believe that I like change my addictions up. So n- none of them ever, and I've said that for years, so none of them ever really get out of control, you know, yeah, but yeah. I, I feel like we all uh, from time to time can smoke too much, drink too much, spend too much, shop too much, you know, uh, exercise too much, anything time you're life gets out of balance, you really are dealing with an addiction and there should be no prejudice or stigma surrounded it because we're all guilty of it because we're all human beings and we all have weaknesses. It's part of the human experience. Would you agree with that? You guys? Yeah, it, it definitely is part of the human experience and we, and we, uh, and there's a solution, you know, there's the ability to really, uh, first of all, be compassionate and, and yeah. supportive of somebody that needs to change. You know, I believe I have an addictive personality. If I like it, I want more. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think most you know, people are like that if they're being honest. I mean, really. Yeah. I mean, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that, <laughs> that, that the you know the the idea though is that you know after after I got sober, I kind of took that addiction and put it into life, and I got addicted to life, and and I yeah. you know was I was so grateful to have a second chance that it really it really gave me the motivation to 
you know, put this nonprofit, not just put it together, but really grow with it and really, you know, expand it and, and be able to commit to it by helping others. And first of all, it keeps me sober because part of sobriety and part of recovery is helping others. Yeah. And there's nothing and, better to do than help somebody else in this oh, same yeah. situation. Oh, yeah. And, you know, uh, and discipline, right? And when you've got a lot, of nano, a lot of responsibility and a lot of animals to take care of, you have to have a disciplined life. You can't just go off on a bender, right? <laughs> you got too yeah, much no, poop to yeah. pick up. <laughs> Everything no, I, else. Yeah, I, 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 I have to wake up every morning and look these dogs in the, dogs in the eye and yep. say, hey, I got responsibility. These dogs right. need me. And, it, and it's a good feeling because, you is. know, part of the, why people do have some relapses is that... Uh, <laughs> oh, I love it. I'm chiming in. <laughs> what, do you th- what do you think they're trying to say, Stephen? <laughs> you should put the, put the... <laughs> we love this. Um, and I have a, I have a nine-month-old beagle, so those beagles bark. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, my gosh. My, my first... Go ahead, Jerry. Go oh, ahead. Uh, I didn't really say anything a moment ago because, you know, uh, my one major, major addiction my whole life has been cigarettes. Ah, and, um, see? I am almost 10 months out now from having a cigarette. Yeah. Well, you know. And I, it is an everyday thing. But Jack was one of the big reasons why I quit because yeah. it was getting to the point where, you know, it was kind of difficult to uh, get up and take him out for a walk. And, you know, I wasn't going to be very healthy. And I just I needed to get healthier mm-hmm. for him as, as yeah. his health was declining. I had to do more, yeah. you know, to take care of him and. You know, so I understand the connection between the mm-hmm. dogs and, and, and that. Yeah, I can't even imagine being in that situation and how important the work that you do is, Stephen. I mean, think about that, you guys, and everyone out there listening. You know, you've got someone, even a family member, and, uh, you know, if you, you, you love your, of course, you love your cat or your dog, and you guys don't deal with cats. You just do dogs, right? Is there a, no, you, you, we, do work with, we do work with uh, an organization called Dallas Pets Alive, and they, they, they will uh, foster cats. Yeah. I told you when you were on, I fostered four cats for someone who was in uh, rehab back uh, two years ago. And it mm-hmm. is such a beautiful feeling. Uh, it really is to just to help your, your, you know, your fellow man or woman out, uh, mankind. I mean, that's what mankind, we're supposed to be kind. And it's harder to be kind than it is to be clever. Uh, that's not my quote. That is the quote of uh, actually <laughs> Jeff Bezos' grandfather said that. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah. But, um, you know, how many dogs did you say you've rescued so far this year? This year we've done, uh, we've worked with um, about 160 client dogs and their wow. dogs. And wow. so, yeah, so it's, and it's been our busiest year. And, 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 you know, what we're also finding out is the more we, more recognition we get, the more we're out there, the, uh-huh. the bigger the need we see is. Well, you know? yeah. Well, and we're hearing so much on the news about the influx of uh, fentanyl uh, into the U.S. and ongoing uh, opioid epidemic. Are you seeing an increase in applications because of these types of drugs and their experiences? Absolutely, absolutely, and and we're we're not and we're seeing them come from all over the United States, and we're seeing them from uh, young people as well. You know, mm-hmm. that are in their twenties and you know just getting out, and they have a dog and. Um, you know, we, it's, 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 and I work, I'm also a substance abuse counselor, so I work every day uh, for an organization called Legacy Cares, and um, I work with addicts, and uh, it's unbelievable. It, you know, we talk about the epidemic or the pandemic that we just got through, going through with COVID, but we haven't gotten through the pandemic of the fentanyl mm-hmm. overdoses and the drug, the drug pandemic. Yeah. Can you guys hear that static or is it just on my end? Because I can work through it. 
Oh no, it, Jerry. It, it, I hear is it. it. Hang on. Is it is it going out on the airways? You never know. Woo! We're in the middle of a storm. It is. Watch Great. out! There's a jet <laughs> taking off behind him. All right. Should we go to break one more time? Um, I know we have to go to break in about five minutes. I'm looking for to you for direction, oh Jerry. Um, <laughs> well, our next guest isn't uh, on the line. Yeah, okay, we'll but have to. Uh, you know, is it, go- is it going out over the airways though? Yes. Okay. All right. Let's go for a quick break. We'll be right back. Station identification. Stay tuned, and we'll be right back. More coming up with dogs matter. And every time I go to break, how come it clears up? Is it the feds? No, it's because I'm turning. <laughs> it's because I'm turning his volume down. See? <laughs> oh, there you. Okay. All right. <laughs> oh wait, 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 wait. Oh. It's not so oh. bad. We can get another couple of minutes out of it. I'll get a, okay. I think so. Okay. Well, let me see, let me ask you this. Uh, it's been almost a year since you were on the Kelly Clarkson show talking about Dogs Matter. And there we go. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I guess I'll continue. How, yeah. did that, how did that appearance help Dogs Matter, uh, Stephen? What did it do for you? Well, you know, it gave us a national platform, and, it, and it, 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 we, we, showed, we got to be able to really see the need and, uh, and the ability to grow. And, you know, one of the things that we're looking to do this year is to expand our services and, and to serve not just we – we do serve around the state, but we're going to really focus on growing in Austin and Houston and San Antonio because the applications from all over the state have just, like, completely been overwhelming. So we're looking yeah. to, you know, expand by getting more fosters and – putting a little hub in Austin and being able to do it. But, yeah, getting getting the recognition we need is great. But at the same time, I'll be honest, we need we, we need the continued help of, like, foster yeah. families. And it's really easy because our fostering is not like this long-term fostering. It's short-term fostering. It's anywhere from 30 to 90 days average. And you don't have to try to get the dog adopted. You, all you got to do is get it love and food and, yep. you know, companionship. Yep. Make sure it's okay. Well, you know, I see, I see One Life Radio getting more involved in this. I'm, you know, I'm actually trying to turn my property into like a, a, a rescue opera, op, operation, <laughs> you know, but that's a, that's a task in itself. But I, I see that happening in, the fu- in my future because it is so rewarding and it's so important and so needed. And so many people say, oh, I love animals so much. And I'm going to call those people out if you're listening right now. If you love animals so much, don't just say it. Take action. Speak with your feet. Do something about it. Foster a dog. Give them some money. You know, do something to help the plight that we are in. It is unconscionable that here in the Dallas area, we euthanized over 125,000 animals that were unwanted. That means adopt. Don't shop. Don't don't think that a dog is a designer, your designer accessory to go with your, your fancy car or your fancy clothes or whatever it is, your fancy jewelry. A dog is a living, breathing, and a cat too, wonderful creature that has a soul. I always get a kick out of it when people think that animals don't have a soul. Do you have an opinion about that, Stephen? <laughs> I will tell you, look, look in the, if you ever really look in the dog's eyes, I feel the soul. So Absolutely. Absolutely. I think everybody that's had a dog would, would argue with that. Even people that don't really are dog people or cat people would say that. Oh, yeah. Well, the static, the snowstorm that we're in, I have to quickly tell, share you this share this one story. I've always known that dogs have souls. I've had many, many experiences over my lifetime. But most recently, just last week, and my, my little dog, Max, who I rescued off the street, he and his sister, Ruby, years ago, tried to catch the mother for months, couldn't find her, couldn't catch her. But I adopted him. I kept him. Um, originally, it was this was back, you know, when Barack Obama was running for president. I named one Barack and one Obama, thinking that because one's a boy, one's a girl, thinking that somebody was 
<laughs> um, didn't work, but I ended up keeping him. But anyway, um, little Maxie Doodles was on the way. He was, I was on my way to the veterinarian last Wednesday morning to put him to sleep because he was really suffering. He had cancer and he had heart uh, uh, he had a very bad heart murmur, and he, he was uh, had edema really bad. And so anyway, I was on my way to the vet to put him down, and Stephen, he passed in my arms, but before he did, and Marie Early was driving, and I had him in my arms in a blanket. He lifted his head up and looked me in the eyes and rested his head on my chest, and I swear to you, he said goodbye and thank you and whatever else, you know, he was thinking and feeling. But I felt it. I felt it. I instinctively, I know what, what, that that's what it was. And then he took a deep breath and he passed away. But if you tell me an animal doesn't have a soul, I'm going to tell you, you don't know what you're talking about. And you've never had that beautiful experience with an animal. And all animals have souls, not just dogs, cats, pigs, cows, chickens. All these animals have, have a right to a good life. And it's our responsibility as human beings and the, and the caretakers of the planet to make sure that they're okay and they're safe and they're not abused and they're not mass produced. And, you know, all these things that, that cause so much suffering of animals all over the world, not just here in America. I'm jumping down off the box now, Stephen. <laughs> no, I love that. And I bet you, you still, afterwards, you still feel the dog's soul. You still feel the oh. presence at times. Oh, yeah. I well, let me I ask do. you. Yeah, no, I mean, it's the most beautiful. I tell you, like, it made saying goodbye, like, just so incredible if 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 some if someone passing could be an incredible experience you know it was just so incredible and i'm so thankful that i had almost i had 15 years with little maxi doodles and it just you know i have a big smile on my face just remembering how wonderful he was and how many years of joy he added to our family uh and ruby too all of them all of the animals that i've gotten um and all of them off the street i would never go and get a purebred dog or a designer dog or go get it from a breeder, you know, because I wanted a particular one. That's just, th those days are gone. When you've got this kind of suffering where that many animals are being just in Dallas, 125,000, we need to think about that and we need to think about it hard. But, uh, you know, so let me ask you this, Stephen. What are some of the biggest cha challenges or needs for you right now and Dogs Matter? Well, I think, like, I'll go back to say it again, that if, if we, the more foster families we can get, the more dogs we can save. And that's yeah. the core of, of, our, of our program. And that, and, you know, then many, most of the time these dogs come to us and they've been neglected and they're not in the best shape. And medically, we have to spend um, quite a bit of money trying to get them, you know, uh, healthy again. So any kind of donation. And it, like you said, it's the end of the year, so you have still time for the end of the year to tax, you know, donation, tax uh, deductible donation, and I'm telling you, it goes straight to our uh, program, straight to the dog, straight to the, the, the medical food. As we know, it's expensive to have a dog. It's mm -hmm. very expensive to have a dog. And, and so the more the more support we can get financially, the more support we can get um, with uh, foster families, you know, and also we also will take donations of, you know, if you have Sometimes people, when they pass, their dog passes, would they give away some of their the dog bed and some other things that they have. And, you know, we'll, we'll take that kind of donations and kennels and things like that. So, uh, you know, there's, there's, always, there's always things to do. There's always, um, you know, items that we need. So, and if you go to our, our website, you can also see how you can help and um, be, a part of, uh, be a part of our mission, be a part of our movement, and be a yeah. part of change. It's really to be... We want to change the way that people 
you know, the, the whole society looks at, at the, the human and the dog and not just, you know, yeah. get out. have them surrender, but have them look at the human and see what can mm-hmm. we do to keep its family together. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thank you so much for all the work you do, Stephen. And your website, again, is dogsmatter2.org. Dogsmatter2.org. I look forward to helping you in 2023, and Happy New Year to you. Thank you so much. Well, I appreciate your time. I appreciate your support, and I love your energy, and I love your passion about dogs. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> that makes one of us, or one of you. <laughs> Yeah, everyone, you know, don't just talk the talk, walk the walk. Get off your you-know-what and do something about it. All right, we'll be right back. (laughs) Phoebe Elizabeth Pope says, yes, talk to you later, alligator. (laughs) Be sweet, parakeet. Okay. Okay. All right. Coming up next, uh, Phoebe Elizabeth Popesisk, how looking at your past can prepare you for your future. Stay tuned, everyone. You are listening to One Life Radio. Follow us on social media at One Life Radio. Crazy Waters benefits have a history that runs deep. The legend is that in 1881, a woman who suffered from dementia would sit by the well and drink the mineral water all day long. People began to notice that the woman was not so crazy anymore. Had the well gotten rid of her crazies? The well became known as the Crazy Well and people from all over flocked to this magical place. Back in 1904, the famous mineral water company began bottling and distributing its mineral water. The benefits of these minerals all feed your body and mind what it craves. It's a natural sports drink without all the disruptive artificial flavors and sugars. You can find Crazy Water by visiting their website, drinkcrazywater.com. That's drinkcrazywater.com. Want to advertise on One Life Radio? Send us an email, info at oneliferadio.com. Contagiously positive. One Life Radio is back. All right, everyone. (laughs) Getting ready here for New Year's Eve. Welcome back to One Life Radio. This is Bernadette with Jerry Caldwell. And we are continuing our live broadcast here from Dallas, Texas on iHeartMedia, as well as KMET in Southern California on ABC News Talk. We have Phoebe Elizabeth Pope Sisk with us today. She is a dear friend. She grew up as the youngest of 12 children to artist parents in the 1970s. At age five, she lost her mother to suicide, causing her family to fall into poverty and hard times. Uh, Phoebe attended Austin College, graduating as outstanding senior woman. Immediately following, she was commissioned as an officer in the United States Marine Corps, along with her future husband, Kevin. Kevin and Phoebe's 37-year reunion has yielded the the pinnacle of her life's work, uh, Elijah and Sarah Catherine. Phoebe is the author of the book we are discussing today, Letters from the Last Pope, A Journey Home. Her website is lettersfromthelastpope.com or on Facebook at phoebe.sisk or on Instagram at phoebe underscore sisk. So great to have you with us today, Phoebe. Welcome to One Life Radio, dear dear friend. (laughs) Thank you, Bernadette. It's You're good welcome. To be here. Oh my we gosh! Well, a lot. So it's a much much anticipated day to be here with you on the radio. It and is. I just reflect. Has it been 15 years of friendship at least? So yeah, it's wonderful. 
And I tell you, I remember the first time I ever saw you and I just thought, and then I'm being completely transparent and honest here. I remember just thinking um, what a lovely person you were. Uh, And lovely is a word that you use for someone who's just lovely, you know, a smile on their face and just this kindness that you just exude. No matter what you do, you're like almost float when you walk. You're so sweet. (laughs) I'm serious. I'm honored. I'm honored. <laughs> and uh, I think you're describing yourself, but I'll, I'll, I'll no, tell you that. I don't think Thank so. Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. Well, so, you know, you, you're our last guest of 2022, and our topic is right on target for the new year. So we're discussing your new book, Letters from the Last Pope, A Journey Home, where you take a deep dive into your family history to help others understand, uh, to, to, to help understand yourself and help others to understand themselves. So what can we learn about ourselves by looking at our past, Phoebe, as well? as our relatives pasts that is that's such a great question and i think it's it's uh one that applies to us obviously universally we all have a story we all have something we've been through that has been difficult that we've had to overcome that has made us stronger but often what happens is we have uh, emotional memories and sometimes we we are reluctant to revisit parts of our story that are they're difficult that you know cause unwanted emotions and so the benefit really is that we get to go back from an adult perspective to sometimes an emotional memory from our childhood that we have not processed mm-hmm. so it's super beneficial to bring logic into the mix of of emotions and to explore the story to understand it better from the perspective of our loved ones and also our ancestors who I'm absolutely convinced speak to us in many ways and it's this is also there's a new buzzword epigenetics in Mm -hmm. in the scientific community in which we actually do uh inherit trauma and emotions and and other things from our ancestors things that are unhealed that are communicated through ourselves and certain attributes will be turned on or off and so sometimes these seemingly unrelated memories are actually things that we have inherited from ancestors so sitting down to piece all these puzzles pieces together is extremely beneficial so that we can look at our stories, examine them, share them, and then ultimately put them down and uh, move move towards a fuller life, you know, without mm-hmm. carrying mm-hmm. the baggage or the separations that sometimes exist from from parts of our stories that we don't want to face. Yeah, and so so many people bury their they bury their emotions, right? They're like they feel like they have to be tough. Our society mm-hmm. kind of expects that and encourages it. Would you agree with that? Oh my gosh, yes. I, and I will say one thing that I think is beautiful about this whole COVID experience that's been very difficult. I will say that I think it has encouraged all of us to just sit down and take off take off the mask and mm-hmm. and the mask. I say we were not uh, putting on for for the sake of having a mask on, but it was just that times were easier and we could, we could indulge and afford a little more of certain emotions. And, um, and now it's just, as times have gotten tougher, we're just taking the mask off. We're being people, you know, sitting face to face. And, and it's, it's, it's been universal in the way that the tough things have united us. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's, yeah. that's been amazing. Yeah. Well, why did, why did you want to write this book? Was there a specific moment that you said, okay, I'm going to write this book? Yeah. Well, I'll say, I mean, in so many ways, it seems like the book wanted to be written. And so there were many starts and stops. And, and part of this was 
we had the backdrop of COVID, and we were all sort of moving into new spaces based on new realities of working from home and having different relationships with time and and re kind of rebranding ourselves. And so I had a friend, your friend also, Marianne Gargore, was mm-hmm. you know, in, she was moving into a new role as life coach, and we decided to do some sessions together, and it was wonderful. She's she's a very right brain, left brain person, and great person to process and, and talk through and strategize with. And one of our first sessions, she asked me about my early childhood memories. And it was so interesting because Marianne and I had been really close friends. I mean, our kids were best friends for many years at White Rock. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so here I was in Marianne, we had uh, experienced years of, you know, all kinds of everything together, birthday parties and celebrations. And, but I realized I had never, I'd been, I, I had developed the art of really not sharing my story, if you will. It was, mm-hmm. uh, it kind of grew up um, without telling it to anyone. And mm-hmm. after my mother's suicide, we kind of pulled the, the shades down. I didn't, we didn't talk about it. We didn't share it with, you know, others. And so in these, these relationships later in my life, I had also practiced the art of not really sharing. Mm-hmm. And so in one of these sessions, Marianne asked me, Hey, what's what? What's one of your first memories? And so I think I got a couple of sentences into it before I completely melted down emotionally because mm-hmm. I really had. It was the first time I was visiting some of this, and she was so she was so wonderful and mm-hmm. so surprised that at what I'd been through because she yeah. thought, well, Phoebe, you present as this very strong person who's capable, and she said you absolutely have to tell people what you've been through so others will know that they can do it too. Yeah. She was really the very first person to kind of hold up the life mirror and for me to understand the value of, of telling my story. And mm-hmm. so um, so that was the beginning of it. It was during COVID, and I started writing the chapters. And and then later um, worked with an editor. I, I think that anybody who's who's visiting their story and has moments or almost, you know, anytime that you're visiting your story, you have these, these recurring thoughts that is this, is this even interesting? Is it, what, mm-hmm. what worth would it bring to another to hear this? And yet um, you have others around you that will reflect back the value of that. So I had an editor also that I worked with and she, um, she was very skilled and uh, has developed a great professional reputation. And she, she kind of also mirrored back to me, Phoebe, this is, this is work to be proud of. And I think, Oh yeah. It's a beautiful book. It's beautiful. Um, There was many times though in reading it, I thought, gosh, what, why would it, why do I even want to put the time towards this? But, but those two really helped me understand that there was value in sharing it with others. Oh, and just, yeah. And some of it, like where you're going to have to come back because I mean, there's so this, this is this, this book is very multi-level and 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 peeling back the onion and all of us you know so many yes. things and uh, you know with even how you know the the plight of women you know back you know 50 years ago 60 years ago and and what they had to deal with i mean that in itself is hours of conversation you're so right bernadette you're so right it it is it, there's that many layers to it and it there's something in here that is applicable to all of our story there's yes. many you know so you're absolutely right Yeah. Well, I love how you set up the chapters in your book. Can you tell listeners how the chapters are laid out and why you wrote it this way? Well, so, you know, it's interesting. and You may feel the same, Bernadette. I know I've talked to other women who have said, you know, 
my memories are more emotional. I'm not, I'm not necessarily a chronological uh, memory person. So I knew that sitting down to write my story from start to finish would not be, would not be something that I would feel successful in doing. So I, I made the decision to approach it uh, through relationships and persons and through my memories. And so I had already written some very heartfelt letters to my husband, Kevin, to the kiddos, Elijah and Sarah Catherine, to certain people in my life. I had written these letters and uh, often had done, you know, paintings or poems to sort of accompany uh, and and encapsulate these relationships that were very meaningful. And so I had those and I thought, well, it seemed a perfect way to sort of group together um, the memories and sharings and, and lessons that we kind of mutually experienced at different mm-hmm. stages in life. Mm-hmm. It's beautifully so it written. Real- it really Thank is. You. And there's so much more I have to ask you. We're going to go for a quick break, though. We'll be right back. Everyone stay tuned. More coming up with Phoebe Elizabeth Pope-Sisk. We're talking about her book, Letters from the Last Pope. Stay tuned. You are listening to One Life Radio. You're listening to One Life Radio. Make sure you check out our podcast and get to know the show at oneliferadio.com. Hey, everyone, I have to share a story about how amazing TerraFlora Advanced Care is for gut health. So my friend Liz contracted a debilitating intestinal bacterial infection about a month ago. Her doctor told her she could have died if left untreated. He prescribed a strong antibiotic that treated her infection, but unfortunately left her with terrible stomach bloating along with other intestinal issues. I recommended that she take TerraFlora Advanced Care to help her replenish the good gut bacteria lost by taking the antibiotic. Liz said she could tell the difference in her gut immediately after taking the advanced care. Her stomach bloating went away and she could feel her gut working the way it's supposed to. She says TerraFlora Advanced Care has been a game changer and she won't go without it. I hear stories like this all the time about TerraFlora Advanced Care and all the TerraFlora probiotics. I have been taking them for years myself, and I encourage everyone to visit Enviromedica.com to see their full line of probiotics and find the one that's right for you. That's Enviromedica.com. We're back. More of One Life Radio starts now. All right, everyone. Welcome back to One Life Radio. This is Bernadette Fiaschetti with Jerry Caldwell and Phoebe Elizabeth Pope-Sisk. We are continuing our live broadcast here from Dallas, Texas on iHeartMedia, as well as KMET in Southern California on ABC News Talk. Uh, We're talking with Phoebe about her book, Letters from the Last Pope. You know, Phoebe, we only have a couple more minutes left, so you're going to have to come back because this book is really important. And I personally want to thank you for writing it. I know it was very cathartic for me to read it. Uh, I had a a, a brother who uh, attempted suicide and, and is mentally ill, who lives in a home in Houston. And you know that about me. And so the stigma around mental illness can be very difficult, let alone at the tender age of five years old, which was when your mom committed suicide. Did you know what was happening at the time? And did your father and your other siblings uh, tell you about what had happened? Did you know what was happening? Well, I mean, I think as much as I could from my five-year-old perspective, I knew that things, you know, my parents had been fighting. I knew that my mother had been, had gone away at, for various uh, visits to, at that point, you know, she was in a mental institution and they were mm-hmm. doing the crazy to think about it, the electric shock and all that. Oh, yeah, yeah. The- they, they did that yeah. to my brother. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. I know. And, and that, I mean, boy, do we need to talk about, we all believe that our stories are sort of independent and, 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 um, 
original. And then we realized, my goodness, the cultural influences of whatever the medical realities are at the time mm-hmm. drive it, you know, tremendously. And, and to your point, you know, your brother having had the, 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 the very similar experience, it's, um, yeah. So I think as much as I could know of that it was happening as a young person, and certainly my dad was very responsible and, and caring in the way that he shared about her, her suicide. He put it in very, um, you know, terms that were not heavy for a young person that she had gone to sleep and didn't wake up. And, mm-hmm. and so there was benefits in the, in the gentle way that he told us about it. It was also, um, you know, later on, I would realize that we definitely needed to, to speak more about the incident of her death than we had, but I think he dealt with it in, in the best way that he knew how at the time. And, and of course, a lot of my siblings were older, some, you know, 21 years older than myself, yeah. the oldest one. Yeah, and no. So, <laughs> our, our, yeah. Uh, people had uh, children for a long, big, big, big spans of years, right? Decades. I know my my brother, my oldest brother, is like fifteen years older than me, um, and so yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's almost like a yeah. They're they're almost a, a sort of mini parent in, yeah. in ways that young. Yeah, and they were they were loving. I think what happened is everybody talked a lot about my mom, about the good parts of her, and we remembered her in that way. But it, at that time, there was not a lot of dialogue about her death, and mm-hmm. so and it was it was a secret that I felt and that I um, understood. You know that I didn't really share that with the world at large. I think we tried a couple times as kids, and it was you know sort of awkward. Um, you know, it's it's a hard thing to talk about, and so it is. So I think result was we we carried a lot of that unprocessed and the benefit of the book was to go back as an adult and process these emotional memories that were really still you know I was a six-year-old um when it happened so really had to go back and and kind of bring those things forward you know and um it's extremely cathartic to do Mm, but yeah I can only imagine you know in your research for the book uh what were some of the most surprising things that you found out about your family members well, I think one was that um, it didn't it didn't start with my mother. I learned that her grandfather, who was actually the, her her great uncle, was governor of Texas. There were five brothers, her, wow. her father, and then you know the other four. One of which was governor of Texas, and then their father had experienced some uh, mental illness, and he very much loved his wife, but he began to have these delusions that she was going to stab him. And so he had to be separated from her. He actually went mm. to live in the governor's mansion, separate from her. He wanted, wow. to, you know, he continually asked for her to be brought in. But yeah, so there was all kinds of things, you know, and that's its own realization as well, because, uh, you know, we talk about mental illness, but the, the brain is an organ and it's a, and some, we all have organs that are more vulnerable than others, depending on mm-hmm. blood type and ancestry. So so it's really, um, we could look at it also in terms of how we've learned to take care of the brain as an organ, you know, yeah. in, in all kinds of ways, you know, and uh, certainly in in the time of my mother's grandfather experiencing that, they were in a very different period of understanding how, how to be healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so It can be difficult. It really can. You know, uh, what advice do you have for listeners who are having anxiety about the new year or anxiety about their family members? And how perhaps they might say, try to heal to, from from it. Yeah. I think um, number one is just acknowledging that these 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 emotions are universal, and we often feel very alone in experiencing them. But just number one, understanding that we're we're not alone, and that if we are willing to speak out to others, we will find that there's there's you know so many other people experiencing the same thing who are 
who are anxious and willing to talk about it as well. And so that's very cathartic. And and also just being willing to experience those emotions, even if they're uncomfortable. Thich Nhat Hanh, the Tibetan monk, would talk about smiling into our sadness, mm-hmm. also learning to be comfortable in the uncomfortable. And it's it's if we are willing to to sit with those emotions, we realize, you know what, we are going to, we are, they're not going to take us down. They won't kill us. And, and if we're willing to sit face to face with them, we come out in a, in a position of being stronger and mm-hmm. having developed some of those, you know, spiritual tools yeah. for other scenarios that are bound to happen. Yeah. You said, so think, Mon- um, well, you made me think of Thich Nhat Hanh and, you know, in his book, uh, Peace in Every Step. Uh, he talks about, uh, he talks about, uh, you know, we all have anxiety when anxiety, when it feels overwhelming, when you wake up in the morning, if you feel anxiety, you say, hello, anxiety, how are you doing today? You know, treat it as like, you know, just embrace it and roll with it. Try to roll with it. Don't let it snowball on you. I think that so many people do, they get almost frozen by anxiety and that just makes it work and worse and it amplifies it. I think you're so right, Bernadette. He he had a great expression about taking good care of our emotions, uh-huh. and it's true. There, the emotions are there for a reason. Sometimes we've come to see emotions, um, such as depression, as bad or unwanted, but it's actually a very normal reaction to. It's a response to something difficult, and it's it it it's 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 cathartic to be able to experience it to its fullest and move through it rather than resist it. So yeah, yeah, kind of changing the paradigm of our thoughts towards mm-hmm. emotions and the function that they serve and uh, showing ourselves the grace that we would show to someone else. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Isn't that the truth? Well, you know, I just mm-hmm. got the I just got the two minute warning and we wanted to play uh, old anxiety since it's the end of the year. But you're going to have to come back because there's so much that we didn't get to. And I'm wishing you a happy new year to you and your family and everyone uh, and the whole White Rock Montessori family. <laughs> it's big here in Thank Dallas. You, uh, happy New Year. It's great to be here with you. And I look yeah. forward to, to 2023 together. Absolutely. And sitting down and having a cup of tea and talking about all this. But happy new year to everyone out there listening. And thank you. <laughs> I'm going to get yeah, clumped here. Oh my gosh. And thank you for listening all year long. And I wish everybody a wonderful, prosperous, happy new year with all my heart. Thank you so much. And here we go. Jerry, you ready? Uh, I am ready. Uh, right. But before Let's we go, see. once again, I have to say uh, thank you very much for letting me be a part of this. Oh, God. And my- uh, here's to <laughs> an incredible and an amazing and prosperous 2023. Absolutely. Thanks, Jerry and Marie Early, all three of us. Thank you so much. Happy New Year.